It's the exit piff. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it going. That's staying in. It's the exit 52. <laughs> That's staying <laughs> It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that had two hosts celebrating on the 18th green at Lighthouse Sound on Saturday. We will get to that later in the show. We will start with more relevant Baltimore sports talk, although I'm not really sure there is more relevant sports talk than what happened to the 18th green at Lighthouse on Saturday. <laughs> it's RDT. It's Banks. It's myself, Taylor Smythe. And guys, I, I, I don't know. What else to start with other than Camp Scuttle? I'm just calling it Camp Scuttle. There's just Ooh. Scuttle coming Ooh. out of camp. And I just want you guys to take what your favorite Camp Scuttle is. Maybe we'll do this for a couple weeks leading up to the season. I'm just going to call the segment Camp Scuttle. There's all this stuff that comes out of Owings Mills as the Ravens go through camp. Stock up, stock down. Who's nursing an injury? Who's concerning? Who's on the, the line of, of the roster cuts? Who's getting COVID, unfortunately? Oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that. <laughs> now, you – So, Camp Scuttle. A, a month or two ago, I said, I'm going to make a concerted effort to say scuttlebutt more often. It's just mm. a great word, very fun yep. word. And you've shortened it to scuttle. I kind of like that, too. Scuttle Camp plays. Scuttle. Camp Scuttle um, is that, – that's a great camp name, too. Camp Scuttle? Camp like, Scuttle. Camp Scuttle. Like, yeah, I should just called it a yeah. camp. Like out on yeah. some lake or something? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I can do that. Camp Scuttle, my favorite Camp Scuttle right now. Um, God, I kind of want to pick two things. Uh, wide receiver, wide receivers has, has been the focal point of the entire like off season. Who we're gonna get? Sammy Watkins. Who we're gonna draft? Rashad Bateman. A um, little bit nicked up at times between Bateman and uh, and Hollywood, but uh, everything that you're hearing sounds great. To be honest, I think we saw a little bit of that on uh, on display for that open practice on Saturday night at the bank. Great to see people at the bank again. Awesome thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up to see what these guys can do. Um, they don't have their quarterback thrown to them. We talked about that a lot of that last week. Don't need to get back into that. Um, but he'll be back Friday or Saturday, allegedly, and um, we'll roll on from there. And I guess the other thing that I love is uh, the amount of buzz about Justin Matabuke. I mean – there are some lofty expectations and um, that are starting to grow surrounding this guy. And he's going to get a bigger role here this season. And I'm fired up to see it. So the Matabuke buzz is certainly growing. I, I feel like I see something about him every day. I'm seeing him. I'm seeing him in all the stock up categories. Um, so there's, there's certainly Matabuke buzz. My, and this is, this is maybe a little, a little pathetic. My, Favorite camp scuttle has been this ridiculous backup quarterback battle between Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley that has now gotten thrust more into the four because the starter is not playing. And so now today it was like Tyler Huntley's got interceptions on back-to-back plays. McSorley wasn't sharp. It was like just sort of a race to the bottom in the, in the battle for the Ravens backup quarterback. What it sounds like is the offense needs to get Lamar Jackson back on the field. So the defense has something to worry about because all reports out of the, the practices today was that the defense was dominant for another day. You know, the offense couldn't get a lot going. Um, with that said, as you said, great receiver stuff. Specifically for me, James Prochet, all the talk mm-hmm. has sort of been about Watkins and, and Bateman. And we, we talked about Prochet last year as like which one of him between him and Duvernay kind of emerges. It was clearly Duvernay that made a couple plays during the year. Obviously, the kick return against the Chiefs, the most notable one. Sounds like Prochet has has sort of taken some steps to where, you know, 
it feels like a guy like Miles Boykin's roster spot is in jeopardy. You know, if you're sort of thinking about the receivers off the top of your head, those guys may be jockeying for a spot at the bottom because you you know Duvernay's in, you know Hollywood's in, you know Watkins is in, you know Bateman's in. So then you have a couple more spots after that. Um, it, it, I think I think Prochet has been a has been a nice thing, and maybe he's the guy that that returns punts or or does whatever this year if it's not Duvernay. Um, it's something he can do. So I've I've enjoyed hearing good things about him because I liked the pick that they made two years ago. It felt like it was a a pick that could they could come back and. The Miles Boykin experience could be uh, could be over here pretty soon. They traded up for Prochet. I mean, they traded the next year's draft pick, I think, a sixth or something like that in order to move up just to get Prochet. So it says a lot about what they expected out of him. I think they knew that was a deep wide receiver draft, so they went after him. And, um, I mean, his highlight videos at um, SMU are awesome. And he made that great one-handed catch in, in traffic. In practice the other day, that was kind of their camp highlight. So – um, it overall, it's just, it's just kind of nice to be sitting here and, and talking about who's going to be the sixth wide receiver as opposed to like the fourth wide receiver. So that's yeah, a, that's a positive the- also, even though that's not to say that these, the guys in that, on the top end of that depth chart are locks to be massive contributors or anything, or that they're going to have, you know, pro bowl seasons or anything. Of course, that's a big question mark, but just the fact that the conversation is about numbers and it's like, who's going to be the odd man out um in terms of like hey like a guy that might be able to be an asset to somebody else like it's a it's a more it's it's a more comforting conversation when you have it um when it's kind of that nature the other nice part of that about that wide receiver conversation is the camp scuttle from Rashad Bateman is not ooh Rashad Bateman couple drops uh, but we'll, he'll figure it out. Like he, he'll figure it out once you get to the game. Sure. Right now it's like Rashad Bateman looks awesome. He looks faster than expected. You know, he's made plays in camp and that gets you excited to actually see him on Sunday. I feel like if, if that narrative had started on the wrong plane where it's like, Oh, he's a rookie getting used to it. It's like, ah, oh, here we go again with another guy at that position. That's just not ready to go. And who knows if they'll ever be ready to go. Uh, all the reports about him have also been positive. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting and it's good to hear that the defense is dominating. I mean, you, you, I wouldn't have wanted to hear, heard reports that Trace McSorley was carving up the first team defense. That would have been a little concerning. So that's not a bad thing to have. And you hope that when Lamar comes back and I don't think there's a set date for his comeback into practices at this point that he starts to give the defense a little bit more trouble. Um, any camp scuttle for you, RDT, or are you just strictly focused on Titans camp at this point? Are you, no, are you I mean, I'm, I'm hour by hour tracking, you know, AJ Brown. How are the snaps? I don't know about the snaps. Um, no, I mean, the, the, the camp scuttle that I'm following is, is Marlon Humphreys just continues to have terrible food takes. Like mm, he, he's going to sure. get himself sent right out of town with this. He would have been sent out of town by now if, if, if he ever was. I mean, I, I think he knows what he's doing too. He does. I think yeah, oh, I see, he he's trolling. He's yeah. He's just trolling. And I mean, maybe he's not trolling. Maybe he's not knowingly trolling, but he is trolling, but he's like a smart enough guy to be like bored on a Wednesday being like, watch this. I'm, I'm going to set the world on fire and just tweet out like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Like old Bay, whatever. And he's um, a sick puppy. No, I mean, yeah, it's that, that was that was my number one takeaway. Um, but I, I mean, I'm kind of with you guys. Like again, like I'm following along and I'm just just keeping an eye on the Titans. Don't play him this year, 
So I don't have that to like, look, not look forward to, but like, I don't have that down the road. So I have no problem like keeping an eye on him. Um, the big thing for me, I think was, was Bateman. And I know Torrey Smith, again, it's kind of following on what you guys said. Torrey Smith was at practice today and tweeted like Ravens receivers look good. Um, which I mean, you know, I don't know when that was ever a storyline in, in, in Ravens training camp, but, um, the, the videos you're seeing come out. And I think the one big takeaway was the video from the open practice on Saturday with Bateman. I mean, just pretty much torching Marlon Humphrey. And, yep. and I know everyone was kind of scared at the end because it looked like Humphrey got his, his ankle caught or they, they kind of hit feet and, and Humphrey kind of slid a little bit. And they were like, that would have been the perfect, you know, Humphrey twists his ankle or he steps on Bateman and cleats him or something like that. But it seemed like that was, you know, everyone came away un, unscathed and, and everyone's healthy. And I mean, Bateman, because now I see those videos and I'm like, oh, Bateman's going to be a late round pick and a fantasy draft somewhere for me down the line, I'm sure. So that's, those are pretty much it. The uh, Marlon Humphrey trolling on Twitter and, and Bateman. And again, people were like, is this a good thing? Bateman is carving up this all pro or is it a bad thing? Like this all pro is getting carved up by a rookie. So it's kind of a good problem to have though. I think that's one that always swings to it's good to see Bateman be a guy like Humphrey in practice. We've seen enough from Marlon Humphrey over his career to not be worried about getting burned one time. I think but it's this, just camp scuttle. That's all it is. That's what, and that's what camp scuttle brings. Guys you just, you never know everything that's happening in camp and you get the couple clips from the team, you get a couple things from reporters, you know, at least there's no, you know, full team brawls happening like a giants camp. That's, that's nice for the Ravens to have in their back pocket. What a story that was. So you mean the making millionaires like run laps and, and do pushups isn't going to work. I want to watch some more Joe judge practices. I, I would like to get up there and watch that. <laughs> did you, did you hear his quote from today? No. About oh, how yeah. he got him like physically, like physically excited watching it or something like that. He oh said, he, lo- he said, I kind of loved it. Like I kind of like, yeah, like, Got me a, a little football guy. This is holy. Uh, the, it's that, a I'm not gonna lie, it turned me on a little seeing the guys that passionate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um they seem to play for him. So that that uh, I you know, maybe it'll go well for, for Big Blue up there. Uh turning to the Orioles. I mean, all I have to say is 69 losses after tonight. So it's end of the season. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh. Uh Schedule came out for next year, and there you guys talk about scuttle. I'm seeing mid upset about games on midweeks, different locations. Um, you know, we're trying to watch Adley Rushman next year when you know when we're going to be able to see him in fun locations. So, uh, Eric, the one game you're looking forward to next year on the Orioles 162 game schedule. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I think I think Banks and I were kind of on this one. I mean, right away. I know uh, you've been to Wrigley. Yes, I did a solo Wrigley trip like two summers ago. It was awesome. Bleachers and, only. Bleachers are bust. I've never – and you know what's funny is – The middle of the cup – the height of the cup snake drama that's too. That's right. That's right with the XFL, yeah. When 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 Carl – Carl tweeted out a video like two weeks ago before the trade – or last week before the trade deadline of like people arguing over Rizzo and how the Ricketts should keep him and all this. And they were in the right field bleachers. And all I saw was someone re- replied back and was like, this would never happen in the left field bleachers. And Carl was like, yeah, you're hundred percent right. So now like, I feel like, and I was like, I, that seems, I, I just like how like each bleacher has their identity. It's, it's great. Um, but again, I think that's the road trip that everyone has circled um, in and banks. I, I didn't even look at it right away. The, the actual schedule, I just saw rock tweet it like, Oh, they go to Chicago, blah, blah, blah. And it, yeah, they have a 
midweek in July, July 12th and 13th um, trip to Chicago. It's weird because they're home for three versus Texas home for LA for four day off on Monday, Chicago for Tuesday and Wednesday day off on Thursday. And then they fly to Tampa and then it's the all-star break. So it's a very weird two game schedule. They do it. The Cubs are here for two games. So that's probably why. Um, and again, a, a midweek, the middle of the week schedule is weird. They also have a weird schedule in uh, September where they have the Nats, I guess, technically on the road, but they have a day off after day off before and a day off after. So they, it, it's just a very strange schedule. Um, St. Louis is probably one of the other cities that people want to go to. And again, that's a midweek one. They're at Cincinnati in the, on a weekend, but I don't think anyone's like, I'm not knocking down a door to go to great American ballpark and try like this, the chili soup, that they call it. It's not really. Remember, remember that time you asked her for one game? Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, we needed some some more scuttle about the schedule. <laughs> I might I would think about St. Louis, but it's also in the middle of the week again. So it's like, what are we doing here? I, I, I get it. The Orioles are not like a huge draw for a weekend crowd. If, if you're in, if you live in a given city and, and a visiting team is coming to town, you're not getting real fired up for the Orioles. So I understand like the, the notion of, in theory, putting the Orioles on the road for these primer locations, you know, on weekdays and whatever. So it's a sign of disrespect, and we haven't earned that respect yet, so it is what it is. The biggest takeaway for me is home opening day. Home opening day is great. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful I mean, thing. come on. So. That's the best day of the year. That's, that's your one game. Yeah. And it's yeah. strange too because that second series they have home, they 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 have Toronto for three, then they're at Boston, Tampa Bay, and then their their fourth home game is against Milwaukee. So again, like that that's a very early early April game, like the Orioles versus the Brewers. Yeah, odd like, number of teams in each league. It's got to happen to somebody. No, ab- absolutely. It's just again, like I can't remember the last time the Brewers came to to Baltimore. Yeah, I can't either. You know what else, too? They, it's a weird schedule thing. I saw that the A's are going to D.C. for the first time ever. I don't, Or that or they, they haven't been there since, like, 05. Oh, interesting. Which is. Huh. Uh, I was just going, RFK then. I'm just going through here as we talk. Uh, we'll have two. The Orioles are up two wins um, June 21st and 22nd at home. That, that's when they play the Nationals. So that'll be two wins. Um, trying to see any other guaranteed wins here. Uh, and opening day. So September, opening day September at home. 13th and 14th, too. They normally get one at Nats Park. So I don't know if I can guarantee both of those. But I can definitely guarantee the home games and the, and the home game opening day. We always win at home on opening day. So those will be the three wins. The Orioles will win those three games for sure. <laughs> pencil them in. Okay. Pencil. So yeah, I would a pencil. I would pen them in. Those so are, that's mm, a hammer. Sharpie. Sharpie? Sharpie. 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 Mm. Straight You're hammering sharpie. the over on the two, I mean, point, two it, and a half wins? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If the over is two and a half, we are absolutely slamming that thing. The, put know. the mortgage on it. Good to know. Yeah. So, yeah, if anybody wants any free tips from, from me, um, you have those. Um, Banks, will you be attending uh, home the four-game series um, the Orioles will play at the end of September against – your Houston Astros. Will you be in attendance for that? Sure. Why not? Okay. Just making sure you have. Sure. That. Yeah. Have that sure. Mm. When was the last time we played the Reds? 
I'm just now staring. Feels at this. like it's been a while. Um, I remember that the fame, the Chris, the Chris Davis gif of him breaking his bat on Twitter. Mm. That's always used. That's against uh, against the Reds. Because I remember that series. Ibaldo started. Uh, Gosman started. <laughs> Baldo. Good lord. <laughs> oh Baldo my was a, was an answer on the dozens this week, and it like I. Shivered. I need to watch the dozen. Uh, yeah. So. That's the schedule. I, I, at least you could still do Wrigley. Like you just have to take the week off in the summer and kind of do some other things. But mm. you do wish it was on a weekend. You know, we're not trying to take trying to, not trying to take all the days off. Um, speaking of great weeks, this week is a great week at Ocean City, gentlemen. It is the week of the White Marlin Open, which if people don't know, one of the really great fishing tournaments. I don't. You know what? I'm just gonna make a claim. One of the great fishing tournaments in the country. I, I sure. It's yes. A, it's a world's biggest. Billfish competition. Bang. I there believe when I when I was a kid, we had a place at Harbor Island, which is where they do all the weigh-ins and the boats come in, and it was an electric factory down there. Um, and we had a two-time winner of the, the only, the only two-time winner, Mr. Tommy Hinkle, who is also a former teacher at Calvert Hall and a Calvert Hall graduate. So you, you know, I have to get that in there. You guys were able to talk to him. I was unfortunately not on due to some conflicts. Uh, but what was it like sort of discussing the White Marlin Open? Banks, you had the idea to sort of get someone on for us to talk to about this. And I, I, I find it weird calling him Tom or Tommy. Mr. Hinkle to me. He was Mr. Hinkle to me. He's a teacher. Sure. Mr. Hinkle, what did you think about talking to, to Tom Hinkle? He was awesome. His energy is awesome. Um, you can tell how much he loves it and loves the entire, you know, fishing vibe and everything. And, you know, similar to you, I've, you know, and I think anyone in Maryland, you know what the White Marlin Open is, but do you really know what it is? It's one of those things where it's a big deal to some people and you're like, oh, that's what's going on this week. A lot of buzz about that, but really like, what is it? What sets it apart? What makes it so special? So that's really what we wanted to dig into. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there in a similar boat as myself and Eric and probably yourself as well, Taylor, who are not really sure as to what exactly it is and how it works and, and what wins it and how rare it is for two people to win it. And literally only one person ever do it. So um, we got a conversation with the quote unquote goat of bill fishing here. So uh, fun interview for sure. He's a fun dude. Yeah. How many, how many goats of bill fishing is going on other podcasts? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. I knew nothing. I can't wait to, to, to hear this with the rest of the listeners because as someone who said that they sat there and watched the boats come in, all I knew was those flags with the, that represented the different fish and literally knew nothing else that was going on. So uh, this should be fun. So let's get to our interview with two-time White Marlin Open champion, Tommy Hinkle. Something magic happens. We welcome on a very special guest here, the only two-time winner of the White Marlin Open. It's Thomas Hinkle. Welcome to the show, Thomas. What's going on? You can, you can call me Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, it's a little it is. bit more comfortable that this is the, I was uh, reading off of the Zoom link. I mean, I just saw the word right. Thomas Hinkle. I was like, I don't want to mess this guy's name up. And then that's exactly what I was looking at. That's a little um, bit too formal for this type of uh, <laughs> interaction. And they, they call me two time Tommy. <laughs> I love that. That's a phenomenal name. I, I mean, that's just, that. it's like right there in front of you. You just got to go with it. It's money. It was in 2020, the White Marlin Open Magazine did a, like a little article on the boat I fished with and went it two times, and that was the name of the article, Two Time Tommy. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess that's sticking left. So my students call me that, my friends. So it's just sort of a an ongoing joke, but uh, it's it's 
nice thing to hear. It's a nice thing to hear. Sure, go I bet the, it is. I'm going to go get the paper, get the paper. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's White Marlin Open Week, big week in your world. Uh, we're a couple guys that don't necessarily know a ton about it, but we're extremely aware, like, it's a big deal. I mean, you get some big names out there, a lot of money on the line, a lot of people love going down there and getting into it. So to people like us, can you explain to us what, what is the White Marlin Open and, and what makes it such a big deal and what, you know, what, what's so great about it? Um, it it's, it's more of an atmosphere of anything. Uh, my, my, I said my family started coming down here in August when I was a kid and we stayed on 14th Street on the beach and then we would go back and w- watch the boats go out to the White Marlin Open and uh, then eventually go back and the way- to watch the weigh-ins. It's a great week for families to come down here. The tournament's going on been going on for more than 47 years 46 years and uh it's just a great way to see what uh the town and why it's called the world's uh biggest and richest uh billfish tournament because it draws in boats from all over the east coast if not the world for uh i think the package this year is close to nine million dollars for a payout so you've got a lot of Wealthy boats coming down, putting in money, but you also got a lot of uh, smaller boats, like the boat I fish on and the guys I fish with. You know, we're just average shows that like to go out and fish, and it gives you a chance to compete with these million-dollar boats. I mean, we're fishing with Michael Jordan, you know. Sure. MJ has got here, and his boat is spectacular. There's other professional fishermen down here. And uh, the tournament, like I said, started off with grassroots, but you can still get in it. And you, if you're in a lucky enough place and your opportunity meets your preparation, you can, uh, you can be successful. You can win it. Now talk about what is like your, what's the schedule of a day the, the day before, I guess the day before the white Marlin open officially starts and your boats are allowed to leave. And like the day that you guys actually leave, what time are you, do you go to bed? Like how, what time are you waking up and putting that first pot of coffee on? Well, in uh, my particular circumstance, I live in Ocean City, Maryland, West Ocean City, and the boat I fish out of is out of Indian River. So it's only about 20 miles as a crow flies. So uh, you can start fishing at 830 in the morning. So it depends on how far you have to go, what kind of boat you're on, how fast your boat can get there. So generally speaking, we leave about the dock at Indian River anywhere between 4 and 430. Uh, the day before, you're prepping the boat. You're making sure all your rods are restrung, all your reels are restrung, your outriggers are fresh, your clips are done, all the mechanics of the boats are working. You got your baits rigged up. So again, I'll say it again. That's the preparation that goes in to this. It's not like you're just you know going out and throwing a a bobber in your your pond trying to catch some bass. You got to have the right equipment and the right tools. Uh, to get started. So the day starts again, it depends on where you go. You can fish up to 100 nautical miles out of ocean city inlet. So that takes you to a couple different canyons offshore, which are relatively from, you know, 45 miles out to 80 miles. And you spend your day fishing. Some days you're fishing for eight hours. Don't see a bite. Don't see a fish. Other days, the action is hot and heavy. So it's, it's, it varies from day to day. You said, the action can sometimes be hot and heavy. Are there any like indicators, like when you're leaving the boat, uh, you're, you're kind of pulling out at the beginning of the day where you're like, Oh, these are the conditions that I'm looking for. This is going to be a hot and heavy one. Or is it just kind of, you're just get out there and, and whatever happens, happens. Fish don't care what the weather is. They're, they're always wet. 
So mm. it depends on <laughs> hopefully you get a flat day because you can take a beating when you get out there. You know, that just makes things a lot tougher sure. to fish under conditions. So you've got a nice flat, calm day. Sometimes the fish don't like those days. Sometimes you want to have a little chop to it. So it really it depends on uh, what type of water you have, the color of the water. You can, everything, you can have everything from what they call green water to blue-green water to blue water. Uh, if you get out in the Gulf Stream, you can have temperatures in the low 80s. Uh, you can have temperatures in the mid-70s. It all depends on what type of species you're looking for. For marlin, they usually like the water temperatures to 78 or above and uh, like um, to be more in towards the Gulf Stream part rather than the shallowest part. But you can catch a white marlin in uh, shallow water, 50 fathoms, 40 fathoms if you need to. Now, I, I was going to ask, so obviously it's called the white marlin open, but that's not the only thing you guys are fishing for. What, what, are, what are some of the, are there different, uh, not prize categories, but like, are you fishing for mahi-mahi and shark and stuff like that too? The prize categories are called uh, Calcuttas and they have different levels. So you can bet in like a thousand dollar biggest tuna winner take all. You can bet in a $5,000 winner tuna take all. They have category this year, newly added. $20,000 winner take all for the heaviest marlin. So you think about it, you got 50 boats in that thing, you know, that's a million bucks you're working for <laughs> only against 50 other boats. But it, yeah, they have different species. Uh, you're going to catch white marlin, blue marlin, tuna, wahoo. They have a shark category. Um, so there's a couple different levels you can, you can get in. A lot of the smaller boats that aren't competing with the larger boats may just fish for tuna so they won't put extra five thousand dollars in the winning white marlin fish they'll put that in the tuna category and if you look on the on the uh, website now i mean the tuna category i think it's a million dollar fish because they went all in on the five thousand dollar winner take all so you know there's been a couple years when tuna fish have paid over a million dollars wow so I'm, I'm familiar with the calcutta is for uh, a variety of different things um, but you're telling me that the White Marlin Open is all funded by the entrance. It's not some sponsor that's saying, hey, here's a purse of X amount of dollars. Come out to Ocean City and get after it. It's, it's all funded by the entrance. You got to pay to play. There's a $1,400 entry fee, and that mm. qualifies you for, like, guaranteed $50,000 for the White Marlin, you know, and other categories uh, for that. They also have uh, – you know, the Calcuttas and the more Calcutta you get into, the more money you can win. So that's basically it. You got to pay to play. But sometimes there's boats that have <laughs> taken first place in the tournament, but not have gotten first place money because a second place fish put in more money and got more money. And got, I'm sorry, put in more Calcuttas and got more money. Wow. Put it this way, in 2008, the first year that, the fish whistle one, which is the boat I currently fish on now. We've been fishing for 20 years together. Uh, and by the way, that's the only boat to have won the White Marlin Open twice as well. No uh, we actually we tied for first place with an 81 pound and a half. Uh, but the other boat did not have all the money into the top Calcuttas. So we got like $956,000 and they, I think they got like 300000 mm. So it all depends on what you put up and what you get back. So, yeah. So it's not just straight up. Here's the biggest fish. Here's all the money. That's it. That's interesting. Cause I think, I think most people would 
kind of just automatically assume that that that's what it is. You know, biggest fish. Here's your, you know, your your bag of money. Enjoy enjoy secrets or something. Yeah, yeah, but you have to be able to put the money up to get that fish. And you know, that's where like the the smaller the smaller boats, you know, they get a couple of investors. You know, people get people. Hey, do you want a little percentage of it? You know, give me five hundred bucks and you can be a part of the. Uh, uh, some boats do uh, percentages, you know, and that helps the little boats and it gives you something to root for as well. You're like, all right, come on little boat. I want to see you come to the scale. It's almost like you have skins in the game. You know, you got a piece of the action. So now, now uh, do you have people who will go to multiple boats and I'll give the fish whistler 500. I'll give this boat 500. I'll give this boat a grand and kind of just, you know, is that, is that legal? Can you do that? I don't, I don't know anybody per, personally that does that, but I'm sure it happens. You know, it's just <laughs> if somebody has $5,000 to invest instead of putting it all in one boat and you know somebody in the boat, you can give, you know, a thousand bucks to five different boats and you got five different actions. So, but remember, the more people you put on, the more money it gets split up. And that's, that's a bigness number too. Like 2019, it was 1.5 million that the boat got. And everybody was like, oh, you're going to retire. You're going to quit teaching. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that's split up different ways. And trust me, it ain't all mine. Otherwise, uh, I probably have my own boat. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, it's like I said, it's split up a little bit. And now, now you said you guys are the only the two-time winners. What was it like? So you won 2008, 2019. What was it like? 2019 you obviously you already got one under your belt when you the winning fish did you catch that and did you know like this this is number two this this is it right here or and also like what are you thinking what's going through your mind when you're on the dock and you're seeing them lifted up on the scale and 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 kind of just talk about the, the what's going on on the docks and the crowd and the excitement well that's that's one of the most exciting parts about it is to take a fish to the scales at the White Marlin Open. Uh, there was a great documentary put out, I think in 2016, uh, that's on Amazon Prime now called Five Days in August. And the uh, producer of that, his name is Nick Ruff. And uh, he documented you know, the whole White Marlin and the feeling of it and the, what happens at the docks and everything and the excitement. And uh, he did a great job with that. But, but when, I, when you fish, and, and it was great to win it once. I was like, okay, that's cool. Nobody's ever won it. So, but, you know, what a chance to win it again. Mm-hmm. So, in 2019, we had – we fished for two days in a row. We weren't doing great fishing. Captain wanted to go out a third day in a row because he had a wedding to go to on Friday. I said, like, let's, let's just give a break. You know, we're tired. Well, our whole crew works. Let's just take a break, and then we'll go out on Thursday. So he said, sure, but if we're going to do it, you're going to be the one that picks up the rod. Because I already had my chance. And I'm fishing with five of the guys. Like, guys, I'm good. Somebody else reeled in. Mm-hmm. And he said that. I, st- I had that on the text. Like, he says, yep, but you're going to pick up the rod. So about 11 o'clock in the morning, we had our first bite. We call it the short shotgun. It's, you know, right down the middle of the boat, not too far away. And we saw the fish come up, take the bait in its mouth. And after a minute or two, it jumped. And I was like, holy shit. That's a big fish. And then what, you know, what goes through my mind is don't fuck it up. <laughs> you know, there's so many things. Like, can I say that? Are you guys uh, no, are yeah, friendly? You say whatever you want. Right, fire it off. Okay. Uh, and that's what's going through my mind, you know, for an hour and a half of getting the fish up. Because you got to be gentle with it. You don't want to horse it. You don't want the line to break. Some of the things can go wrong. 
And uh, we finally got it up to the boat and got it on. And there's a video out there on YouTube. I think if you look it up, uh, 2019 uh, White Mall Open. Uh, the, the, the gentleman's name is Pat Horning, who did uh, the video, The Captain's Brother. And uh, it's it just got a great action shot of me fishing and then gaffing the fish and bringing it on and uh, uh, getting the length of it. And then we went back to Ocean City. And when we went back to Ocean City, it was, it was crazy because, I, like I said, I, I, I know people there and the locals are very supportive. And when we hung that second fish, uh, our measurements, I thought it was going to be about 70 pounds because there's a mathematical formula for it, believe it or not. But again, it turned out to be 79 pounds. Hmm. And then the video of me, I'm just, I said, what did he say, 70? And they said, no, 79. And that's when shit blew up because <laughs> we were like, all right, man, that's a nice, nice fish. And that was on Thursday. So we just had to sweat it out and wait till all the boats fished on Friday, went back to the scales on Friday night and just sort of waited for all the boats to come in. And that was stressful as hell because you never know. So when you guys are coming in on Thursday, again, with that fish, are you texting your buddies or people back oh, yeah. in ocean city saying, you know, hey, we, we got a decent size one or, okay. Yep. Gotcha. yep. I didn't know, I didn't know it like, like, cause I'm sure it's happened where someone may pull up on a boat and they're like, oh, you got anything? No, not really. And then they, they bring up this monster and you're like, gotcha. Yeah. We'll just- yeah, that's cool. Cause you want all your family and friends to come down there. Uh, there's an application or you can get something called in reach where captains can send texts to people on land. And uh, thank God my, my mother who uh, where, was there to see us weigh the fish in you know, my 90 or my 81 year old mother at the time came and saw us weigh that fish in. And that was great. She was there. So you got all your family and friends there and they're going wild, you know, and uh, like I said, it was just a waiting day on Friday. Just make sure that there was a lot of boats that fished too. a couple boats brought in like 77 pounders. And that's when your heart drops. (laughs) But when that last boat brought one in, that was 76 pounds. I believe the boat was called the oil select. And when they weighed that fish and it said that was the last fish of the day, and when it said 76, that's when, uh, that's when you got things got real. <laughs> that's when <laughs> that's I was awesome. like, oh, all right, let's get it on. So, uh, so, so what ends up happening? This is probably a dumb question. What ends up happening to the fish? Uh, we, for the most of it's donated. Uh, white marlin and blue marlin that are caught are mostly donated to the food bank. Uh, they're okay. sort of an oily fish. But we kept ours. We have a friend that smokes them. Uh, they're just really hard to get lit, though, when you get to the end of them. No, anyway, he puts them in a smoker and smokes them and makes a fish dip out of it. And But uh, obviously, if you catch a tuna fish, you're keeping that yourself. They're great. Wahoo is really good to eat. Mm-hmm. The sharks, uh, they'll they donate a little bit. But most of it, if it's not taken back by the boat that caught it, they'll leave it there and uh, – they have a fish cutter rose. She cuts them up and uh, donates it to the local Worcester County food bank. So it all, it all goes to a good cause. That, does that include the winner? Uh, if people want to, yeah, we, we kept ours and, you know, yeah. like I said both times, but usually if it's the winning fish, it usually gets donated. Wow. Sometimes they keep the bill or the tail, but uh, most of it gets, gets eaten. I was going to ask, do you guys, like, did, did anyone get it? Because obviously a, a taxidermied fish isn't the real fish skin. Did anyone yeah. of you guys, you know, get the measurements and, and you got a replica of it somewhere? Oh, here we go. This is <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm back in my playroom. My wife teases me. She goes, you can't win another time because we don't have, we don't a, have any more walls. We don't have any more walls. <laughs> You're going to have to we, put we it like out, outside like one of the restaurants and have it on the roof or something. Yeah. We don't have a huge house. But... I'm, Hold on. I'm excited for this. <laughs> Oh, that oh, yeah. that's, that's a monster. That, and that was from 2008. And I don't know if you guys can see that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm showing you video. You're doing a podcast. <laughs> like, what no, we, we, do, we do video sometime. We, we'll, we'll yeah. That was two, 2008. And that one is from... 2019. I'll show you the mount. That's a little bit better. I'd, I'd use that as like a hat rack. I'd like put my hat on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I told my kids, I say, if this thing ever comes down, uh, just keep on running. <laughs> and, uh, Don't worry about coming. That one's back. a lot. They, they've gotten much better uh, in 10 years or <laughs> since uh, they, they have a lot more color to them. A lot so, more like a glossy yeah. finish to it. Yeah, right, right, right. So they just sort of did old ones, sort of the same kind, whether you did a blue marlin or a white marlin, but now they really take their time with it. So, right. That's, but yes, I, that's memento I have hanging in my home. Yeah, absolutely. That That's awesome. Have you, um, obviously, you talked about it earlier, and I know it always catches headlines. Yahoo's always on it, ESPN sometimes. When When Michael Jordan comes down there, obviously it's a show. Did, was he there in 2019 when you guys pulled up and did you give him a shrug? Like when you, when you knew that you had that winning fish, you give him a little like, you know, well, six, three in the first we, half the Blazers shrug? We fish out of a different marina than he does. I said, we're up out of Indian River. Ah, uh, yeah. In Delaware, yeah. And he's docked down at sunset with all the big wigs. But his boat's right on the end. Uh, so you can see where he is. And he really doesn't uh, – he's very protected when he goes out. Mm -hmm. You know, he's around his peeps and, uh, 2019, he was back for another tournament like two weeks later in August. And I was at the restaurant where he came in for dinner and know the manager. And somebody said something to the manager and the manager's like, no, can't do it. He, you know, he has something in his contract there where he just can't go up introducing people to him. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I take him off the basketball court put them on the ocean and we've leveled the playing field for damn sure. I, I, I think two white Marlin opens equals six championships. So I, I'm uh, gonna, it may, it may it be may, even more. It may, they may, it, this, I think the scales are tipped in your favor. I think the Literally. probability of that happening is definitely in my favor because the chances of, of winning the white Marlin open are a lot more than successfully winning six NBA championships, yeah. at least in my, in my eyes. <laughs> That's neat, though. That, that's yeah, neat. I mean, Bill Russell won a bunch of NBA titles. He won more than Jordan did, but there's no two-time Tommy out there. Right, <laughs> not, not yet. So let's just let's just try to keep it that way. Well, are you kind of like, are you kind of like the '72 Dolphins, like Mercury Morris, like every single year where somebody wins and it's not a person who's already won? You pop the champagne, we're popping you, the champagne, brother. <laughs> and actively rooting against all the other all the other previous winners. We we our, our boat has a slight. I guess advantage in that we've been fishing the same guys for 20 years. We have the same captain, the same mate, mm -hmm. the same guys. And that really has its, 
cohesion to it, you know? So we sort of can do things without, you know, asking. Uh, and I think that helps us uh, in our success. And our captain's a great captain too, Charlie Horning. He knows, uh, he knows how to find fish. So, but uh, yeah, that's the thing we, we might have an advantage over that one. And I'll, and I'll keep that advantage, but. Seems like a gift. The, um, the, the boat name, Fish Whistle. You, uh-huh. you mentioned oil slick. Michael Jordan's boat is Catch-23. It's an awesome boat name. What are some of the best boat names you've seen out there? Oh, man. Uh, and again, you can one. say whatever on the show. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> you can say whatever. There's no – you know, we're not going to censor you. My captain's brother, they, they're all fishermen, and they've had boats called the uh, Salty Seaman. Uh, <laughs> one of them's called uh, the Flying Seaman. <laughs> There's a boat up Indian River called uh, Titties and Beer. <laughs> Okay. Uh, very simplistic. So, yeah, very simplistic. <laughs> uh, so I, th- I think that the the uh, he, Charlie's other brother has a boat called the Hog Wild, which is the uh, Redskins color that uh, sure. burgundy and gold, and that's a very creative name. And actually, he's the, he's fishing here too. His boat uh, just won the Outer Banks Wicked Tuna uh, episode. His son uh, Jimmy Horning Jr. ran the boat for him, and they just went. Ran, won that uh, contest down there. I don't know if anybody watches that or not, but um, Deadliest Catch, um, not Deadliest Catch, Wicked Tuner Outer Banks, mm-hmm. Aaron on Sunday night. So check out mm-hmm. the Hog Wall if you can. Nice, but, nice. Now, are you, are you fishing in it this year? Because obviously it's going on now. Yes. Uh, I, the boat fished Monday. Uh, I, I took what I call a lay day. It was a pretty rough weather day. Um, I was just playing it safe. I had some neck surgery done a couple months ago. So mm. I'm just picking and choosing my weather days. I went uh, yesterday and then the weather's going to be good enough that I'll go Friday. So that's not a good thing about it. you. You can pick and choose uh, what days you want to go all depending on the weather. Sometimes the fish are biting different places, different times. So you get, you have a little variety of that. And, and you can be out there 24 hours a day if you want, right? Like, you, is there any 8 o'clock you got to come in, nightfall you got to come yeah, in? You, you got to come in. You can have lines in the water at 8.30 a.m. and lines out at 3.30 p.m. And you have to return to uh, a port call. You can't just sort of stay out there. Now, they, they have other tournaments that you're allowed to stay and fish for 36 hours, but most of them you have to come. You're just allocated a certain amount of fishing time. Sure. So you mentioned weather days. It can be rough some days. I'm not sure if this was the cause of it or not, but I, I would imagine you definitely saw that video of the of the boat capsizing the other day. Mm-hmm. Is that is that super rare or you know it happens it's pretty I mean, wild? It, it, you know, you got 444 boats, and uh, whenever you get a given day, something can happen. Mechanical. I think they were actually fighting the fish, and what they call backing down on it. And they just started taking on too much water. And that just, no, there was no official word on what happened, but the video shows what can happen pretty quickly out there. So you better have your health, uh, your life saving equipment good to go, and you better know how it works. But, and, and yeah, there, there's, there's been boats like every year somebody sinks, somebody runs into the rocks, you know, somebody does something, has got to turn around with mechanical issues. And uh, there's always something like that happening for sure. And now, obviously, again, you're out on a boat with your friends. You're, you're doing something you guys love doing, and you've done for, you know, probably 40, 50, 60 years at a time. You're, you're going to have some drinks, some, some stuff like that. You know, 
or, or is it like a, it's not a party atmosphere on the boat? It's not, you're not on a party boat, but I'm guessing, you know, Pete, you're tossing some back every now and then. Is there like, you know, is, is that frowned upon? Is it like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, don't get caught or? Well, it depends on how serious you are about it, because obviously if you're hiring a charter boat, uh, they have a paid captain and one or two paid mates that know what they're doing. They're professionals at it. And the, the charter can, you know, start drinking beers when whatever they want to. If you're serious about it, and if you're one of those people that are professional, it, you don't drink while you're working. Uh, since we're on a private boat, you know, we know we can have a uh, natural light here and there and just make sure when it, the time comes, you don't fuck it up because you're drunk. Uh, you know, we're all adulterer men. We sort of know what's on the line. You got a million and a half dollars over there. And you don't want to be drunk and missing a gaff, and there goes the fish uh, that everybody's counting on. The rest of your beer money. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, well, that's, now that's, the- I was going to say, that's what I was thinking about. You know, God forbid these guys, you know, celebrating the first day or something, and, and you know, someone's had a bit too much, and next thing you know, you're the reason the boat goes down, or, or you know, God forbid someone can't get out because you're stumbling, right. rumbling, bumbling on the deck. So it's, or, yeah. yeah, exactly. So you have to, you know, some people are, some people certainly do that. So other mm-hmm. people take a little bit more seriously, but when the outriggers go up and you know, you're taking that two and a half, three hour trip back home, that's when you can giddy up on it. You, you know what I mean? You got that 79 a, pounder in the cooler. Yeah, you, know. you got yeah. that yeah. cooler and uh, you can, you can definitely celebrate a little bit there, but uh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> that's that's awesome we've got uh, i think we got one last question for you here um it's a user submitted question or listener submitted question um it's pretty simplistic i think um are are bonita fish big uh bonita fish are what we call small tuna they're like albacore small albacore so they're probably maybe 16 inches uh very mm. colorful fish not very good eating fish they're very oily and they make good bait for shark fishing or marlin fishing yeah real quick too too i'll, I'll add one last one sure you get home from a day on on the on on the boat there's no chance you want to eat a fish right like you don't get home and like your wife's putting salmon in or something or you're not stopping at mcdonald's to get a fish fillet right no no now sometimes you come home and that fresh tuna is there and you make a little bit of sushi out of it or make a little poke bowl out of it because it's so fresh, you know. Yeah, it's still but, twitching. Uh, yeah. Normally, when you come home, you're tired, you want a hot meal. The next day is when you cut the fish up and make some tuna steaks and sashimi. And uh, I, I make a great tuna nachos. So uh, that's, that's when you get to share uh, the bountiful catch with everyone else. By the time you get home at the end of the day, you want to go to bed. I was going to say, I just couldn't imagine being on a boat, cutting up the bait, doing all that stuff, and then being like, you know what? Yeah. Let me dig right back into this. Right, yeah, but no. It, 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 if you're that hungry for tuna fish, it's, it's sometimes we eat it on the boat. I was going to ask if you've yeah. ever just sliced it open. And yeah, changed. sure. If you're not weighing a fish or something, you you catch tuna. If you're fun fishing, you'll take a little chunk out of its shoulder, put it on ice. Got some soy sauce out there and some wasabi, and it's just put it in your mouth and it melts. So mm. that sounds awesome. Uh, yes, Tommy Hankel, two-time Tommy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this was a very pleasure. enlightening and a lot of fun. Um, best of Good. luck out there on, on Friday. I, I guess yes. Friday is your last day. Yes. Hopefully, when th- is, hopefully, hopefully three time, Tommy. I hope so too. When is this podcast uh, air? It will probably air tomorrow. So Thursday. Okay. All right. Well, knock on wood. <laughs>
hopefully uh, this will bring me a little bit of third time luck talking to you guys. If it is, uh, I'm going to be reading up, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be watching the scales and all that, and and again l- looking for your name in there. So, so uh, if it uh. If it happens off the record, I'll take you guys out for some hookers and cocaine, all right? <laughs> there we go. We'll do that. We'll, we'll have you back on for that episode, too. Winky. Just, I'm winking on camera, guys. I was just joking. <laughs> just, just the hookers, no cocaine. Just, okay, gotcha. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. All right, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Good luck. No you got my number. Give me a call whenever you get a chance or when you're down the beach. Look me up. We'll go out a couple beverages, all right? Awesome. Sure, no doubt, man. Back to you in the studio. Back here on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Thanks so much to Tommy Hinkle for jumping on with us. Do you guys think you could be white Marlin open competitors? Do you think you have it in you to, to do the feat of going out there and doing that? Well, the biggest thing is the pay to play thing. I mean, they're tossing around some big bucks just sheesh. jumping in that. They're sheesh. Yeah, they're uh, – Pay to play. Um, those are mucho dinero. But uh, if you if you you said simply the feet of it, uh, you know I'd give it a go. Why the heck not? I could, I could hang out on a boat. Absolutely. Like, oh yeah, I could do that quite well. Reeling in a fish for hours, and it's not even just reeling in, like fighting with the with these fishes, the 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 size of them and how much they weigh. That's the thing. Like though, that is sounds exhausting. And also, like, I don't want my I don't want to capsize. Oh yeah, not interested. I, in that. Yeah, I mean, that video going around is wild. Yeah, yeah, it was it was something. But I mean, I've seen videos and pictures of like people rupturing their biceps, and and I don't know if you've seen me. I'm pretty ripe for a bicep te- tear, <laughs> so uh, you know that that's the last thing I need. But um, again, I I think I could do it. I don't think I'd be very good, but I mean, I'm I'm with you. Uh, being down on the docks and like watching them weigh in. I almost want it to be like a Bruce Buffer, like announcing it. Like, I think it needs to be hyped up like that. And who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe if two time Tommy turns into three time Tommy and, and we get more eyes on this. Yeah. We need to get the guy yeah. from that Masvidal video that came out. Sky's the limit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That announcer guy. We could, yeah, try and do that. Again, if Jordan wins one and we get ESPN eyes on it and like Bleacher Report and everything. That's when we get buffer. Yeah, and if Jordan wins this thing, it will get gigantic coverage at some point if you ever. It's win. almost like if, if you're. The, should have asked. Oh, here we go. Talk about conspiracy theories here. This would you be throw it like do you do you 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 know tip the scales you know pun intended to not a hor. I mean, it's a horrible idea, but it's also not a horrible idea. Again, think of how like if if I'm who's the mayor of Ocean City, two time Tommy, but besides for him, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the guy that owns Secret. Uh, what's oh, the name? guy that owns Kirby's, Layton, maybe. Layton. But it's like, seriously, if you want to get more tourists and all that shit. Richard Meehan. Apparently. Richie. The, uh, Richie, Richie boy. Richie, Meehan, Richie listen in. Listen up. If you, want, if you want your Ocean City popping even more, you have you let Michael Jordan win the white, the white Marlin Open. Just saying. He'll catch 23. Yeah. Served as city council president for 14 years. Grew up in New York City. Uh, born in New York City, excuse me, grew up in Baltimore, spent his summers in high school and college working at the beach. Moved from Ocean City for good in 1971. What are we doing here? Are we talking Ocean City politics? No, I'm just telling I'm just giving you a little profile <laughs> of the Ocean City Bay. That's what people come on the show for. It's, it's, it's what are we doing show. here? 
The local show. I'm not campaigning for the guy. I'm just telling you who he is. Sure. This is we're trying to get these ideas to drive Ocean City tourism because we all like Ocean City. Our guy Layton is doing a great job doing it. He's True. bringing people out to secrets. We're doing that. We're, we're bringing two-time Tommy on, talking White Marlin Open. Maybe, Rick, we get a little partnership going here with the pod. We just, had, get, an, we we just had an ace in the women's Olympic golf, and it was during a playing through. Yeah, I mean. It's, that's I mean, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Anyways. Can I be heard again? Oh, yeah. My headphones broke there for a second. Oh, okay. I've seen. I was probably getting disconnected here by the whoever's the opponents for Rick Meehan are in the next Ocean Speak. <laughs> they all getting I'm getting uh, killed here. Um, thanks once again to, for two time Tommy Ankle coming on the show. Um, and make sure to, you know, go on social, pay attention to the White Marlin Open. That, that's some really cool stuff down there. Notion. So if you're down on the beach, you can go watch the weigh-ins and do all that stuff, too. They have watch parties. So very fun stuff. Let's get to the starting five draft presented by our friends at Fed Thrill. Guys, the summer's still going. It's still sunglasses season. Sunglasses season it really never goes out of style, but specifically in the summer, you get more time out of them. You can go to Fed Thrill. You can use the promo code EXIT52, get 20% off your favorite sunglasses that unfortunately I don't have in front of me right now for this segment. Oh, come on, Taylor. It was just a straight lack of – well, we got we got home late here from College Park. I was scrambling to get get ready for this. Um, so I um, just got myself another pair uh, this past week. They're the monument frames. They're your kind of your – your club master style, uh, if you're familiar with other sunglass brands, they're affordable. Exit 52 is the promo code to get 20% off of those. It, I mean, even more affordable right there. Um, they're much more of your, uh, you know, the, the sunglasses we've been wearing mostly are the, like the Fultons. That's kind of their go-to, but that's that's kind of your beach sunglasses, your, your summer sunglasses. But if you want to throw on a suit for a wedding or, or just look fly with some nicer clothes, whatever it might be, the monuments might be your move. Phenomenal sunglasses through and through. I mean, that's just a user review from banks that you can't beat right there. Go mm-hmm. buy some Fed thrills. So this week, our starting five draft is Olympic athletes. The Olympics are raging on here. Unfortunately, we are coming towards the end. God, it just pains me. It just pains me to say. Um, just watch the U.S. get upset. Grant Holloway in the 110 hurdles. We did go one, two in the shot put. But that dude uh, set the world record, right? Set the world record. Oh, yeah. uh, Ryan Krauser. Shucked that thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely tossing it. There's actually a great article on the Washington Post. This is way off track about how they're using TrackMan to improve launch angle, which I guess sort of <laughs> has to do with that. Um, and that's making American throws a lot better. Um, Joe Kovacs was second. I think both those guys went to Big Ten schools. Don't quote me on that. Um, so Olympic athletes, just our favorite Olympic athletes across the years, for whatever reason, name what they did, their association to us, a moment, whatever. RDT. Summer, winter, both. Uh, summer. We'll keep it to the okay. summer. Okay. Okay. We'll because we could do this again in the winter. Yeah. Um, when the Winter Olympics come up here soon, so we will keep it to summer Olympic athletes. I have the first pick. <sighs> Banks has the second pick. RDT has the third pick. It's the starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. And with the number one pick and the Olympic athletes draft, there's only one man I can pick in this spot. It is the greatest, arguably greatest Olympian of all time who has given us so many amazing moments and is from this great city. It's Michael Phelps. Take it, Michael Phelps, number one overall. Mm, duh. Has to be the pick. 
is yep. the, maybe one of the easiest one ones in the history of the starting five draft. Yeah, Incredible. it's, it's got to be boring for you just because it took this game away from you completely. Like you don't even you don't even get to put thought into your pick here. I don't. And I, and I really did want to put a lot of thought into all these. That kind of stinks. Like my personal connection to just like watching the Olympians for a long time and all these different things. But yeah, you got to pick Phelps. And also Phelps with an amazing renaissance this year as a TV analyst. He's been freaking awesome. He's awesome. On the NBC broadcast. Really good. Uh, 23 gold medals, three silver medals, two bronze, and had the legendary eight out of eight golds in 2008, which I think is a seminal sports moment for anyone from Baltimore of a, you know, in a wide age range. That was an, that had the city or just this community just absolutely alight every night those things would come on. It was freaking incredible. Um, and so Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps goes number one. Thanks. Uh, more than fair. Um, I'm going to take, uh, I mean, there's a lot of directions to go with the second pick, but I think that there's something to be said about the simplicity of just who can run the fastest in a straight line. And it's got to be the guy who owns the record in the 100 and the 200 meter. It's Usain Bolt. The performance he put on in 2008 was just, it was electric, pun intended. I mean, the way the guy came in and just blew those records away, um, followed that up with, with gold, gold. Oh my God, the, the celebration, the, the uh, look as he crossed the, the finish line with the face and everything. Um, I mean, just a tremendous, tremendous Olympic athlete. Um, there's other, obviously other sports where guys are going to have more medals and s- stuff like that. Um, but his track record is, again, pun intended, quite pristine. It's kind of incredible. He's one of the guys you know, in the United States we support all of our own athletes. He was so good. It just crossed over to a sense where – I think fans just didn't think the U.S. had anybody that can beat them. So it's like, all right, we'll just, you know, kind of watch this. Plus, we're not really threatened by Jamaica. They're kind of fond and they uh, do their thing. So Jamaica bobsled team. Yeah. Um, and the guy that was chasing him, the main guy for multiple Olympics, was Justin Gatlin. Everybody hated. So he was, he was, uh, he wasn't even a legend, right? He was straight up roids. Straight Asafa up. Powell was right in the mix there, too. Wasn't positive he? test guy. Johan Blake. Uh, Tyson Gay also was a, was a, uh, was a guy that was trying to get after trying to get after bolt so uh rdt got two um real quick i mean banks you're not even going to mention usain bolt on the uh main event remember when he did it with eli manning and they put him in football pads i oh it's a great one it's a great one i gotta i gotta find it i'll dig it up somewhere um mine my first pick obviously those are my first two off the board i didn't even put phelps because i figured he was going one or two. Uh, I thought Usain Bolt may fall to me. I'm going to go arguably one of the best scores in NBA history. Um, an absolute leader. Purple. I mean, you know, when I think of him now, I think of purple and gold. I think everyone knows oh, you know, where I'm going with this one. Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> I mean, Mr. <laughs> Olympic basketball. Again, from the, the wonderful city of, of Baltimore, you know, stop snitching. Everyone remembers the movie. He won a bronze. He won three straight golds after. 
You know, I don't. I don't think he holds a scoring record anymore. I think he Durant, Durant, Durant just broke, broke it that like you, three days you ago. Yeah. Don't get to do the "I'm coming and, home" thing when you go to New York. Well, that too, and then yeah. claim to be from Baltimore. Yeah. Well, that was I mean, one I, of the more fraudulent things I've ever seen. I wonder if someone told him to do that and he regrets it. Well, it's also yeah, because if, if if he was going to the if he was going to Brooklyn, he wouldn't have said that. What did, what just New York? It was just, when do you see it? him around Baltimore? Stop. There's nothing Baltimore it. about him. And in the Slam Magazine, when I don't claim him there. Carmelo Anthony. Wow. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I could be talked out of it. Like if someone says like, Baltimore no, I love people, the I setup can... to the pick was really really good. Let's but... do a little deep dive here on the Carmelo Anthony. Born in Brooklyn until he was what, like three, eight. Ooh, very eight. interesting. Moved to Baltimore. Went to now the now now no longer there. Towson Catholic High School. R.I.P. to Towson Catholic. And uh, shout out to Immaculate Conception uh, Parish. And um, f- uh, finished at what Oak Hill. Uh, yeah, I think kill so, right. for his final because they had the famous game against LeBron. Yeah. So, I mean, he does come back and claim Baltimore. It, it, ah, man, I don't, I don't, I think. Does he really that much? He has. Oh, he definitely not. Has. Not in the past few years. His AAU team is Team Mellow. They were a team here around here forever. Oh. Mm. We'll talk about this. This, this, this is neither an offline or a our our podcast and who can claim Baltimore and who cannot. <laughs> Our narrative, our ten-part narrative series um, that debuts next year. <laughs> you got another pick, yeah. So I am going with, and again, this is a more uh, historical guy, uh, Jesse Owens. You can't. I mean, Jesse yeah. Owens has to go. Absolutely stared go. down Hitler and said, "Fuck." I'm reading. I'm reading this quote. Was credited with quote single-handedly crushing Hitler's myth of Aryan <laughs> yes. supremacy. Yes. Although he quote wasn't invited to the White House to shake hands with the president either. Yeah. Oh geez. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Jesse Owens. I mean, Jesse yeah. Owens is a ledge. He's just an absolute ledge. Absolutely. Yeah. Screw you, Hitler. Yeah. Jesse. Again, it's a very anti-Hitler podcast. Uh, anyone who stares Hitler down in the face and and shuts down his you know his reign of Aryan supremacy. You are more than okay in my book, Jesse. Oh, yeah. Ohio State guy, Jesse Owens. The, by the way. You think Jesse Owens said the Ohio State when he was at the Olympics? I hope they let him say whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> you think he said that? <laughs> Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens, four gold medals at the 1936 Berlin Olympics 100, 200, long jump, four by one. Stud. Absolute freaking stud. The man. Thanks. Oh, man, this is a tough pick. This is tough. Um, no, I want to diversify my board a little more. I'm going to take Mark Spitz. Mm, I'm going to take Mark Spitz. He's, he was the unquestioned goat to a point where it wasn't really thought that he was even, you know, anybody could even catch some of his records in the pool. Um, obviously, Michael Phelps smashed them. Um, but I mean, Sports Illustrated cover, uh, he was really the only name in swimming when you're, when I was young, that was like, this is a guy who's a legend. And then there was what Ian Thorpe, no, Thorpedo from Australia in that mm-hmm. Sydney games. But, um, uh, Mark Spitz, just, uh, when you think of like Olympic swimming pre Michael Phelps, it's Mark Spitz and nobody else. 
Yeah. I, I just remember that name because, again, it's a very, like, unique name, and it sticks out. And I remember my, like, when Phelps was coming up, I just remember hearing, like, you obviously you couldn't watch any race without being like, oh, and the last time this was done, it was Mark Spitz. And, like, I remember my dad would be like, oh, yeah, well, Mark Spitz did this and did that. And, yeah, I mean, you couldn't not hear his name. And, again, it's a very memorable, memorable name. All right, with the with my first pick here, I'm gonna take Sean Johnson. <laughs> oh man, I was, I was in love with Sean Johnson in 2008, and she was also a great Olympian, gold medalist on the beam, silver medalist um, in the all around. Oh man, I might be getting that wrong. Definitely silver in the uh, in the team. Nastia Luke had won gold. Uh, and then one dancing with the stars. So Sean Johnson, just a sentimental pick for me. Sentimental pick for me. Uh, goes here. Have to have her on my team. Um, with my next pick after that, I'm sort of staying modern here in my own sort of Olympic experiences. I'm taking someone who's still going here, who's been around forever. I'm taking Allison Felix, who is one of the great um, – 100, 200, 400 runners of all time um, just had a baby and then came back and made another Olympic team, which is just unbelievable. Um, and was a, a, always a bridesmaid, um, never the bride for a little bit in the individual events. And then she won the 200 meters in London. Um, she won six golds and three silvers at the Olympics. So I'm going to take Allison Felix. Um, thanks. Um, hmm. I'm going to take Cassius Clay, mm. gold medalist mm. in 1960. Who's that? Don't do that. Mm. We know who Cassius Clay is. Oh, yes, we do. What a, oh, He's uh, the greatest. Yes, he um, is. Yeah, that was kind of a launching pad for him of sorts. Uh, and I think something that a lot of people might not know about him, to be honest. You know, it's all about the titles and the, the rumble in the jungle and um, – really just his entire persona, but it was really his gold medal uh, at the 1960 games as Cassius Clay uh, that kind of launched him to higher stratospheres. So I do think that gets a little lost that he was originally an Olympic gold medalist before all of the, the amazing personality and the incredible accomplishments as a heavyweight boxer. And obviously the, the worldwide impact that Muhammad Ali has had, like the launching pad was going and winning an Olympic gold medal. Like mm. that was, and the amazing part, obviously the Olympics is super big. Now back then it was the launching point, a little bit of like indifferent sport, like boxing was such a big sport. And so the guys that won the Olympic golds, like, okay, what are they going to do next? That's just, people don't pay attention to that now, unless you're a really hardcore boxing fan. Um, and that's why the, you know, I, I guess I won't give away a pick here, but a fame, like a couple of famous, um, ones where guys were robbed for gold medals for judging things in boxing are, are were such a big deal back in the day. People just don't really pay as much attention to Olympic boxing now. No. Um, RDT, you got two. I am going to go. I can't believe she fell this far. Katie Ledecky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's it. That's where I thought, uh, that's where I thought Taylor was going. Um, again, I mean, you talk about, you can't talk about female swimmers without Ledecky. The best was that graphic that they showed, I think earlier this week. And it's like the top 10 times. And it's just all Katie Ledecky, Katie Ledecky, like the entire thing. And like you said, just the fact that she's from 
she claims Bethesda. She trained, didn't she train in DC? But she's born in Bethesda. If you're North Bethesda, you're basically DC. Yeah, it's, or, it's, yeah, pretty much. Um, but again, I mean, it's it's awesome that you know because her and her and Phelps' time didn't really overlap, weren't they? They were in the same Olympics last time. Six, last time, yeah, 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 last time. But Which it's was like they more dominant one. Yeah, and it's like it's like Phelps was at the end of his, and we were kind of just seeing Katie come up. Um, and again, just the fact that she like some of the I take that clips, back. They overlapped in two. They overlapped in two because she was, was she, in twenty twelve as like a seventeen year old and won gold. Yeah, so yeah. he was there. So overlapped in two. Overlapped in two. But like the the clips of her, I guess in sixteen of like her finishing like twenty meters in front of the second place person. Like they're just so funny, and she's just again you can't talk about the best female swimmers in, in Olympic history without uh, Katie Ledecky. She's a legend. I will, I will go her. Um, and then I will go, man. Give me, and this is probably just be, Kurt Angle. Oh, oh God I love damn that it. Pick. I love that pick. He was Kurt, on my board. Oh, Kurt Angle wow. with the broken neck. A oh, broken so freaking neck, him. baby. A broken freaking neck. And and obviously it's the 25th anniversary a couple days ago, and it was all the post was all over social media. And part of me thought that ESPN knew what they were doing, tweeting out like 25 years ago, he won the you know the gold medal with the broken neck. Oh, they definitely knew what they were doing. Praying that people would tag Simone Biles and talk about the Simone Biles thing. That's that's what I thought. I obviously Dude, they, were they know what they're doing. They know yeah. what they're doing. That's like when they did today they, or t- yesterday they did the who has the best athletes and listed like ten states, <laughs> yeah. and then had yeah. other at the end. Yeah. Oh, they know what they're doing. They're manipulating social engagement. Yeah, they, yeah they, they, I'm they, onto it. They get it. Don't they worry. get it. Um, no, but again, Kurt Angle because I I I don't remember Kurt Angle wrestling in the Olympics. I remember Kurt Angle as a wrestler in you know in in WWF. So. And then I remember my dad, you know, my dad would be like, oh, yeah, he actually won a gold medal. And I was like, okay, that, that really doesn't mean much to me until I got older. And I was like, oh, shit, you know, you had a broken neck. Like, that's, I, again, like, I don't even know how you're cleared to do that. That's an awesome pick. It's, uh, it, it was a very. Uh, I was a, smirking the longer you didn't take your pick because I was so excited to take him. I was so, like, it, it crossed my mind, like, three picks ago, and I was like, Oh, this is gonna get back to me, and I'm gonna take Kurt Angle, and it's gonna, it's. Oh. Kurt, I couldn't believe you said that because if if you were thinking about taking him, you should have had that out immediately. I it was I, I got a couple people, and he was literally the last one on my board, but uh, good old, mm. good old Kurt and I, we're bringing it home. It's coming home. Thanks. I am going to take. Oh man, that's mm, Nadia Comaneci. No, oh, Nadia Comaneci. Gymnast. Wow, the goat Nadia. gymnast, the only perfect ten of all time, uh, untouchable. Nadia, they got that looked like it pained you to take that pick. You wanted an angle so bad. I did. I did. You're reeling right now. You're absolutely reeling. I'm reeling. Um. Nadia. Yeah. I mean, Nadia is, is one of the all-time greats. Um, it was way more fun when, when like we all thought Bella Caroli was like a fun, you know, 
you know, big bear, you know, fun guy, you know, just like tugging the gymnast turns out, you know, he was just like a bad guy. So, um, allegedly, allegedly. Um, okay. With my first pick here, uh, these are my last two. God, I love the Olympics. I love talking about the Olympics. Um, I have to take this person. I know I hate to say half, but in terms of conversations I have to have with my friends in terms of athleticism, I've compared multiple people to this person and said she was a better athlete. So I take Allie Raceman first, um, who is a better athlete than, you know, people named Brian Gibbons. He's she's a better athlete. They're better athlete, right? <laughs> Uh, so, and, uh, one of the all-time great gymnastics leaders of her time, one of the all-time greats, uh, one of the all-time great parent reactions of all time with her parents reacting to every single thing she was doing in the stands. That was a, that was a great video for a time, uh, in the Olympics. And, uh, she did their floor routine to have a Nagila and it was an absolute electric factory. So I'm going to take Allie Raceman right here. And then, gosh, what do I want to do with this last pick? He's a good Instagram follow too. Allie? Yeah, we'll throw that back. Yeah. Um, what do I want to do with this last pick? Oh, my gosh. There's so many places to go. I mean, you go swimming. You go you go track. I'm taking Michael Johnson. The gold shoes, 1996, 200, 400 double, upright running style. Um, the, if you go watch those videos, one of my favorite – for a while, one of my favorite – it's going to sound so pathetic. One of my favorite YouTube deep dives was just find as many videos of the 1996 Olympics as I could because the, uh, the st- it's just electric in all those venues. And um, at the, what, the old Turner Field, um, before it was converted to a baseball stadium, was the Olympic track stadium in 96. Host the opening ceremonies. Michael Johnson was amazing. Um, won that 200-400 double. Um, hasn't been done since. So he, uh, he comes on my team here at the end. Thanks. Um, Carl Lewis, sure. Guy owned the Carl Lewis just sent off some sent off a fuego tweet about the U.S.'s failings in the four by one hundred. Just he is about he is relevant. He is relevant right now, as of like ten minutes ago. Yeah, people are it's going viral in the track community. I mean, he's also, I mean, the singing. Yeah, Yeah. the singing. Like that's an all time. That's also true. He won nine gold medals. I mean, that's that's pretty tough to do in track. Very tough. Very tough. The most impressive thing to me is the four straight long jump goals. That's yeah. gross. That is gross. For you to win that four consecutive times. 16-year window where it's just, this is the guy. Yeah. Like, there are entire careers that start and end inside that window where it's like, oh, I just wasn't there at the right time to kind of peak and be the guy. It's like, no, this guy just covered 16 whole years. Yeah. And in a sport like in a sport like track, where the peak is not as long for a lot of guys, it's even more impressive. Exactly. All right, finishes off RDT. All righty, on an obscure pick, we keep, we'll get weird with it. I'm going Eric Musambani. Is that how I pronounce oh, it? Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone has seen this clip. Space. Huge clip on MySpace. Thanks is looking at me like I have four heads. Um, I believe it's Musa. Yeah, Musa Bami. Musa Musa Bami, yeah. So he is the swimmer who had never seen. Oh, and Banks is backing out. That's why he's the. Eric the Eel. Eric the Eel. From Equatorial Guinea. 
That's where that's where it says he's from. Um, who had never seen the Olympic size pool before. Um, both of the people he was going against were disqualified due to false starts. And he ended up winning with a time of one minute, 52 seconds. And he was the guy who, you know, what was he was swimming in lakes and like training in, in lakes in Africa and all that stuff. Um, it was just, I mean, it was, it was a crazy, it's all, it's like a great video to watch. It's one of those like motivational, like, Oh, just because, you know, someone says you can't, you know, you can, you know, don't, don't let that deter you or whatever. Um, it's an all time clip. I think it's so cool. And again, I mean, he, it was just one of those, it's a, it's an, an incredible story that he just, that he made it to the Olympics, let alone, you know, won that race in a minute and 52 seconds because both of the competitors false started. <laughs> one finished the hundred meter freestyle in one minute and 52 seconds, which you've just watched Caleb Dressel do the 100 meter freestyle over the past week. That is incredibly slow. He ended up being named the national swimming coach of Equatorial Guinea, which I think is my favorite part of this story. Um, I didn't know. That's fantastic. The person that won is also the person that won the 100 meter freestyle when he was swimming. One of the great Olympic names, Peter Van den Hogenbogen. <laughs> <laughs> one of the great Olympic names. Uh, that was fun. Uh, Olympics athletes draft. I, ha- I took Phelps, uh, Shawnee J, Allison Felix, Allie Raceman, and Michael Johnson. Um, Banks took Usain Bolt, Mark Spitz, Cassius Clay, Nadia Komenich, and uh, Carl Lewis. And RDT took Carmelo Anthony, Jesse Owens, Katie Ledecky, Kurt Angle, and Eric Musambani. Did you guys have any honorable mentions? I had Alex Morgan, obviously. Mm. Um, LeBron, Jesus. Rulon Gardner. Rulon Gardner, I Rulon Gardner, I almost took. What yeah. awesome! It, it was I was Rulon Gardner or Kurt Angle, and that's why I was like I I got to go Kurt over. Should have gone double wrestler. I was thinking about it, but my last one, and this is the one I I should have picked my last pick. It's it's the flavor of the month, Dong Dong. <laughs> I, dong. I almost took Dong Dong with the first pick. I almost <laughs> went way sideways with it. Um, <laughs> dong Dong. I had. I'll just go through the various gymnasts. Uh, I had the Han brothers, um, mm. had, uh, Kohei, the, the guy from Japan that was, that has been very good. Uh, Mary Lou Retton, uh, Shannon Miller, Carrie Strug, mm. Dominique Mochiano, Nadia, uh, Nadia, Nastia Lugan, good Lord. Um, and Simone Biles. Um, fun fact, growing up, my brother loved Dominique Mochiano like was like like had her books yeah had people love dominique mochiano he found her da- her parents are divorced my brother found her dad's phone number online this is probably 2005 oh this sounds very bizarre and he called dominique mochiano's dad and was just like hi is this this is dominique mochiano and he was like no and he might he, he like called our house back because my brother like hung up and my dad had to explain to him like Oh, sorry. My son has like special needs and, but is like a huge fan of your daughter. And, and her dad was like the nicest guy ever. He's like, oh, okay. It's oh, that's cool. very nice. The yeah. It, it was like well. very, very bizarre. And again, this is like 2005, 2006, maybe. So like, but again, like just the fact that I thought that was going to end with the dad, like screaming or something. And like, what are the chances that like her dad's phone number is just on Google or something like that? 
Dominique Mochianu uh, had a very interesting memoir that I actually read um, randomly. I'm sure like looking off back balance, on it, very... she has like, and she kind of like has all the Caroli stuff, which is now like very much come to light the past like four or five years about their mm-hmm. coaching methods. And she was kind of early on it when everyone was still protecting the Carolis. One of the most interesting part about it is she revealed that she found she had a younger sister who was given up for adoption at birth with no legs who became like an acrobat and they didn't even know each other. Like she became a gymnast and the, or like sister, wow. you know, became an acrobat. It's crazy mm. stuff. Crazy stuff. Wow. Dominic Mochiani fact for you. Mm. I'm sure everyone was, that was everyone looking forward to. I mean, there's a thousand swimmers. Lochte has to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. Natalie Coughlin, um, Gary Hall, Nathan Adrian. I was trying to find like random, like obscure. It's athlete. tough like, to Google. I wanted to get like a. I thought of this at the end, but I should have gotten a table tennis guy. Um, I had the torpedo down. I had that down too. I thought about taking him just because the nickname is so sweet. Yeah, it's such a good nickname. Um, I thought about Jim Thorpe just because I had he's Thorpe, just yeah. such a legend. Um, get Marion Jones down. I did actually. I had Marion uh, Jones. I had. had I mean, I had steroids too. Yeah. Yeah. I had scandal. Yeah. Michael Jordan. You know. Yeah, Michael Jordan. I almost thought about putting Vince Carter on there. Just Jackie Joyner, Kersey, Flojo, Mia Hamm. Um, Simone Biles was on my list too. Her not getting drafted is tough. Yeah, because that is tough. I kind of uh, was going between her and Ledecky, and it was like you kind of have to go Ledecky. Yeah, you kind of do. So um, yeah, I mean the the again, I I was with you. I was trying to find obscure like people, you know, being like, oh, that's right, I forgot about that. But it's tough because again, it's it's the Olympics. It's there are no like obscure real people like it's, right now. Right now, Nellie Corda might be taking the cake here because she's absolutely crushing it. She's she is. Seven under on her last eight holes. She's playing well and in first place. And I'm actually surprised that Taylor didn't take Xander Shoffley. Um, he yeah. stepped out of the room for some reason at the moment. I'm not sure why. I think he's having headphone issues. But him not taking his guy X, who he very well might take very shortly here for the Merrill Man of the Week. Um, and then he's going to talk about this here shortly um, as soon as he pops his headphones back in. So, that's where we're at with that. So, also, um, you know, what was a tough look this week was I forget what sport I think it was track and field. The guy with the last name bigot wearing the, yeah, that was tough. The French guy. Yeah. <laughs> was, I don't, yeah. I'm sure it's not pronounced like that, but it was very you think funny. It's Bigo. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I remember so, like someone tweeted it and they were like, really, we're, we're going to make him wear this like that this yeah. time. Like that's not great. <laughs> Tough scene, tough scene. So that was very, Olympic athletes. Olympics continue on here. Uh, thanks to Fed Thrill for sponsoring the segment. As always, Exit Fifty Two is the promo code um, when you go to Exit Fifty Two or go to Fed Thrill. Excuse me. Buy some sunglasses. Nick Cannon Medley, Maryland person of the week. I will start. There's no other team to give this award to than Team Europe in the second annual Captain's Cup. Me and Black Peg golf tournament with our friends. It's Team Europe versus Team USA. This year, we were on the same team last year. Long time listeners will remember we were on opposing teams as opposing captains. 
We won as Team Europe over Banks as Team USA, but they combined the exit 52 boys together. We played all three days together, Black. All three days. Sure did. Um, and did some good stuff. Won two of our available three team points as a, as a pair and then um, did a good enough job in the singles to get a, the job done. The legendary Patrick Dugan with a nine-footer on 18 at Lighthouse to clinch the cup 11 and a half to 10 and a half okay. a, a truly <laughs> a truly uh dramatic affair shout out to our, our our friend mike myers who's also was also on our team and uh was able to get a half point in his final match shout out to team usa on the other side you know they they got valiant close. effort rajat o'neill carol oh my god i can't i can't talk right now Alex Carroll, Kyle Jot, David O'Neill, Brian Gibbons. Shout out to those guys. Uh, they 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 came up just short, but uh, the uniforms look sharp. Thank you, thank, thank you. you. All Under Armour for the most part. Uh, there's really nothing like. I mean, we talk about this on our show. We talk about our kickball team on our show. Banks, you know, Eric's talking about his softball home runs. There really is nothing like when you're the adult finding ways to get your competitive juices flowing when you're not an actual athlete and boy, we're our competitive juices flowing. I feel like we won the Super Bowl. Yeah, this is, this is the, a little mini, I don't know, rant. I don't know if, what I want to call it. Um, just advice to people out there as I reflected just on how fun that weekend was. If you can find a way to like get your friends together and do something competitive and, you know, not necessarily in like a joking way, but like in a way that makes it fun, like make something more important than it actually is. And then throw a lot of effort and energy into it to just in a very fun manner and then compete, compete hard and want it bad. And then have it come down to something like that, like is incredible. So um, if you're thinking about the possibility of like, Hey, we should do this, do it. Absolutely. Yes, you should. Whatever idea that you might have that might get your friends together to compete or have a great time and spend time together, um, go on a trip, whatever it might be. If you're thinking about it, do it. Cause this is an idea that I think had been circulating amongst our friends for a couple of years. And then, um, honestly, I think COVID kind of pushed it to fruition just because it's easier to golf. And it was, you know, a thing that we could do. And then we went ahead and did it. And it was awesome last year, even though I was on the losing end, Taylor was on the winning end. Um, I had an awesome time even in that scenario, but, um, the way that it came down to a final putt on the 18th hole, the the last match of this entire thing was was incredible, and it, the competitive it piece of it was was so cool. And it's just cool to have your friends uh, all together to kind of enjoy it and just have a great time and celebrate the bar after. It's a great time. So yeah. celebrate the course after. Yeah, absolutely. Bar so celebration. We got bar the uh, huge. next on deck Barcelona Classic Friday Whiskey Creek. Yes, yes. You, you, and three of those uh, formerly mentioned people will be uh, will be at the classic, and I uh, hope you guys do well. It will. Uh, we'll see if it approaches anywhere what the Captain's Cup did this week because that was one of the. I, I don't know if Lighthouse Sound will truly ever be the same. I know that green will never be the same on eighteen because we kind of stomped all over that in celebration. But um, what a great place to do it. Um, River Run and Rum Point also deserve shout outs as the two other courses that we went to. Rum Point is sweet. They're, they yeah. get a no free ads, but go golf there if you're down at the beach. That is a very, very cool course for right on the water. But uh, yeah, Team Europe gets it done. And uh, we'll see the listeners in a year for when we bring you updates from uh, another Captain's Cup. We'll see where it is. Ocean City could be moving, to, could be moving elsewhere. We, you, you don't know. 
We don't know at this point. Um, so yeah, that's our, that's me and Banks's co-person of the week, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty much the same. I was just going to yeah. make it the captain's cup in general. It's yeah. one the same. I was going to just make it Patrick Dugan. Yeah. You know, being Pat a Dugan being an absolute legend. <laughs> absolute legend. Polter. RDT, what do you got? <laughs> um, slow week for me. Nothing really going on. I'm going to go. My Nick Hanner medley, Maryland person of the week is Chipotle for bringing back the good force. I don't know if you guys are fans. Of I've the, seen the swings back and forth of the forks and such. The, the forks, especially delivery ones. Oh, oh I'll, I'll never do delivery. I will never, ever, ever do a, do delivery. It's easy to do here place. in the city. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But I just, I've heard the horror stories of like, oh, you only get corn and lettuce, and like, there's no chicken. Mm, they, but that one, that one on Ford Ave's pretty good. They've been pretty consistent mm. whenever they deliver my Chipotle. We've had one issue. I think we had like one mm. issue during COVID. Ooh, you're having. You don't you're talk having. about Ford Avenue restaurants. That McDonald's is the worst McDonald's on planet Earth. It's horrible. It's horrible. Oh my god, remarkably it's bad. bad. It's incredible. The the Ford. It's a bad shoppers too. Eric just wants to talk about the no, forks, I'm just man. yeah, you guys are beating down the the, the for, what is it, Ford Ave? I mean, the yeah. Southside Marketplace, <laughs> Southside Talk Time, yeah, Southside Diner, better lead up, Southside Diner, Southside Diner's good. good. Uh, it just I was looks just like doing a bad review subway. of Southside Marketplace, just, just looks like a bad subway in there. Go ahead, there's a Sherwin Williams in there. Ah, there, there is, the there is. yeah, there's a Sherwin Williams in there. No, I mean, Chipotle has, they're like, no, I feel like they're known for their great force that, that like, it's not, it's gotta be some like composite material. They're the best. I grab like a handful every time. They're so good. Yeah. Sometime during COVID they went to like the straight up shitty plastic forks and it wasn't just mine. It was all of them are in, in the area or like, I know people in Virginia, I was tweeting about it. People were upset. And when I went Tuesday night to get dinner and they had the, the forks back, I was the happiest guy in that, in that Chipotle. So that's again i grabbed a handful they're sitting in the uh they're sitting in the drawer now so i'm just i'm happy that we're th- that kind of symbolizes like hey we're back we have the good forks back from chipotle it's the little things in life man and it that's one literally of them. is the little things yes yeah. uh i have one honorable mention uh one olympics honorable mention uh caleb dressel absolute alpha guy just wins everything mm. and just celebrates with his family over a microsoft teams or whatever the heck that is <laughs> You know, very bizarre fashion, but not not his fault. I don't think that he knew the audio was on, but just a stud. Just a, he's a stud. I mean, he's just what you want an Olympian to be in terms of just going out there and getting it done. He's awesome. And and uh, shout out to Suni Lee too for for winning the women's all around after uh, Simone went out. So killing it, he's killing it. Olympics are fun, man. God, I love the Olympics. Tough, tough to, to have been some really ups and downs for the U.S. I think our basketball team's getting back on track here. They're actually playing right now. Uh, yeah. As we record here, so that's my only honorable mention. Thanks. Baseball, baseball was fun. Had some good uh, team Israel. Yeah, they're yeah. Uh, team Israel. The, the U.S. is still in. Which on on just like a t- Edwin Jackson came in relief in the sixth against South Korea, and I just started laughing. It was just Former such a Oriole. Great. It's such a great. It's such a fun uh, fun team to to just see the random guys. By the way, the the starting with guys on first and second in diabolical. They're trying to get those games over with. They're just trying to get those. They really are. It's rough. Tristan Cassis looks like a real guy. I don't know if the Olympics that swing terrifies me. Like I can see that swing. He's very interesting in the Orioles side. Yeah. So I mean, I know it's Olympic pitching, and everyone knows about Olympic pitching, but apparently they said that baseball, like some of the US guys have been like, This is the best baseball I've ever held in my life. 
they were like, this is oh, the I loved, baseball. I love when they bring it back to the clubhouse. They're just going to sneak some out of Japan. Mm-hmm. That's going to be good stuff. Good story. And they start putting sticky tack on it. <laughs> See what happens. Um, two uh, honorable mentions as well. I think to, to Carson Warholm of Norway. Oh, Arnold's what an unbelievable, unbelievable race. Give it to race. Rye Benjamin, too. He, I mean, that to both yeah, the world record. Top for him. Race. I mean, he ran, he, he beat the world record by like three tenths of a second. Like he like obliterated it and he got obliterated by the guy who won it. So unbelievable race. He beat 17 of 48 of the people who ran qualifying heats in the regular ass 400, no hurdles. Crazy. Just absolutely crazy. And also Lamont Marcel Jacobs of Italy for winning the 100 meter. Um, a lot of, you know, white guys mm. putting on a little bit on the track. There are some good gifts for that when that came out. A lot of like Sopranos, a lot of, a lot of tracks. Yeah. He's from Lamont Marcel Jacobs is from America too. Born in America. Moved to Italy. Mm. Um, By the way, U.S. basketball is down uh, 24-18 at the end of the first. Ah, we'll be fine. Uh, I, I I would presume, yeah. Olympics have been Olympics. Everyone's da- everyone's weirdly down on the Olympics right now. It's because I feel like it's all the TV stuff, and it's, it's all the TV stuff. And I, 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 stuff get, like I get them going uh, back to back. Asia is is they come on, come on. Yeah, it's tough for you, you're yeah. killing momentum because then you get you get you got to throw the European and American. You get a down. significant period of time when you only have once every two years to try to, you know, elicit some interest. And, and once every four years, if you're thinking about specific sports. So like if you go eight years and then like 12 years apart from you going from, you know, time zones where it's actually watchable, like you're just missing entire generations. The Olympics has not been in the United States in, in 20 years. That's insane. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a world thing, and we're not, you know, you know we're not, yeah, like I'm not beating it, the yeah, flat. It, it should happen a like, little more often. You would think that you would want to put it in this market more. Yeah. Um. And and some of that's a city thing. Some of that's all the politics to go with the IOC and all this stuff. It just, yeah. There's no need to go in and talk about. Um. But yeah, people are. And it's the TV thing, and I I get it. Look, NBC's site is not the greatest. Like it's hard sometimes to see what's on. But, like, if you really want to see it, I just don't think people are as interested right now. And I just think people are kind of down on the Olympic movement. I think they got all worried about how much Japan didn't want it. There's no fans in the stands. There's training camp scuttle afoot. Yeah, yeah camp scuttle. Yes, camp scuttle. So. Yeah, camp scuttle afoot. Yeah, I, think, I think the Olympics will be back in Paris, and then we'll roll into L.A., and all of us will be old and whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's, that was, that was, and that was talking Olympics, and that was talking you, the Olympics. You sure you didn't forget anybody? From a honorable mention perspective, yeah, no, but I also didn't write normally. I normally write people down. I didn't this week. So, are you are you saying I missed somebody? Yeah, who'd I miss? Oh, Xander. <laughs> oh, that's so true. God, that happened at four in the morning. So I'm a Xander Shoffley guy. It's been a long road, and finally, Xander's won the Olympics. <laughs> Uh, Xander still not won a major, but God, watching him make that putt, making that up and down to win the Olympic gold medal for his country. His dad was a decathlete whose career was ended in a car crash, and he brought that medal. And his dad slept with the medal after he won it. Dad slept with the medal. Awesome stuff, my guy Xander. The X-Man, baby. We stayed up for it after our Captain's Cup victory. One of the great 24 hours for me in sports. 
watching Xander win. And then the USA men's national team winning the gold cup. Shout out to them beating Mexico with the Mexico's a team against our C team. We still beat them and they're horrible fans. They're horrible, horrible, horrible fans. Ooh, you go there. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, every, when every single game you play gets stopped by racist and homophobic chance, I think it's fine to go there. I mean, their fans stink. They've got bad fans and their players like look up at the fans and they're like, what are you doing? We're just trying to play. And they, the, the semifinal against Canada, they're stopping it with like five minutes to go because you know, they're, they're sh- shouting like homophobic slurs in the middle of the game, like, like in chance. It's like, what are you doing? So screw their fans. Nelly Corda is nine under in our last 10 holes. So mm. shout out to, um, mentioned her. Shout out to Eric Williamson and Donovan Pines, two former Maryland soccer players. Freaking hashtag excellence. Bringing home the trophies for the U.S. Good job, Eric. Eric started. Donovan didn't play in the final, but shout out to my guys. Happy for him. That is the it. That is it for this week's episode of, of uh, the X-52 podcast here at 1241 in the morning on, on Thursday morning. Um, make sure to follow all the guys on social media at Barstool Banks for Banks, at E-D-I-T-T-I-22 for RDT. You can follow me at Taylor Smythe 10 You can follow the podcast at Exit52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, as always, to our partners at Fed Thrill and to the great people at Jimmy Seafood. And we will see you next time on the Exit52 Podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood.